This is a Hot Pie Original. Planning is indispensable, but, but plans are useless. Don't fall in love with the plan, but you have to plan. You have to have some place to adjust from. So a lot of people would say, hey, we're doing all this planning for this operation and it's not going to come out like that. Yeah, I know that, you know, there's a saying in the military, once the first shot's fired, all all of the great plans go straight in the, in the trash can. You plan and in your planning, you plan out exactly what you want to happen, but then you also have to contingency plan. Hi, I'm Eric Corum, and this is The Blueprint. I've spent my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. And now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your lifestyle and goals. Rob Lively is a retired command sergeant major of a special mission unit within the United States Special Operation Command at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Rob retired after 28 years of military service and now serves as the president of TRX Elite, a global leader in functional training equipment. In this episode, Rob and I discuss how to create an elite culture, balancing your ego and building remote teams. This is an amazing podcast with one of the most elite leaders I've ever come in contact with. And this conversation is full of nuggets of wisdom. So get your pen and paper ready. Hey everyone, I have one ask from you today. I've been studying the growth playbooks of the best podcast and the number one thing to grow your show is through show reviews. This takes less than 60 seconds and it's critical for podcasters like myself. It would mean the world to me if you could head to the Apple Podcast app and leave a review on the show. My goal is to get to 150 new reviews in the next two months. And with your help, I know we can do this. It's time for the It's Freaking Awesome Story of the Week, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen. Every week, we highlight the stories of people who went above and beyond and thought about someone else before themselves. Now that is freaking awesome. This week, we're featuring Chris Santacros and Project Airtime, a nonprofit organization based in Draper, Utah, that is committed to taking everyone flying, no exclusion. The founder is a 42-year-old father of two who resides in Draper, Utah. He has been a full-time paragliding professional since 1992. He flies everything from airplanes to powered and unpowered hang gliders, paragliders, paramotors, and has hundreds of skydives and base jumps. In the early 2000s, Chris suffered a life-altering spinal cord injury, resulting in him spending some time in a wheelchair. Fortunately, he made a full recovery and was left with a different view of the world. With his new perspective, Chris founded Project Airtime. Project Airtime takes everyone flying, including special needs individuals, those with brain and spinal cord injuries, individuals with illness, the elderly, and veterans. The nonprofit makes sure everyone and anyone can enjoy the experience of soaring through the air. Thank you, Chris, and all those at Project Airtime for your freaking awesome work. But before we get to my interview with Rob, I want to let you in on an exclusive and free offer just for you. Tell me if you know this story. 
You go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a fancy wearable device, hoping that it will help you achieve your wellness goals. And then it ends up in the sock drawer. Sound familiar? Or how about this? You follow those cookie cutter clickbait health recommendations like walking 10,000 steps a day and all you get is anxious and demotivated when life gets in the way and you can't hit that magic number. It's time for an evolution of expectation and results. And that's where AIM 7 comes in. AIM 7 sets busy people free to live their values every day by building lifelong healthy habits. We use the health data from your Apple Watch to create small, scientific, personalized recommendations for whatever you want to do. Sleep better, increase your energy, reduce your stress, or lose some weight. If you're ready to finally unlock the power of your Apple Watch data, then go to www.aim7.com. That's AIM7.com to get early and free access to our exclusive program. AIM7 starts small and it starts with you, your health data, your values to get to your thriving life. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Well, Rob, thank you for the show. I'm glad to have you on today. Eric, it's a pleasure to be with you. It's good to see you again. I haven't seen you in uh, in several years, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be with you, and I'm looking forward for the for the next hour. So, Rob, you you've led some really you you know elite units in some very difficult situations and austere conditions, and as a somebody that's led people for a very long time. And you've also been a part of the talent assessment process. How do you take talented individuals and turn them into elite teams? Oh, wow. We're going right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we joked about a, a potential first uh, softball, but no, we went straight. Um, Let's just get after it, man. <laughs> nineties. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So <clears throat> How do you take talented individuals and turn them into elite teams? Uh, I, I believe that, uh, okay, so you have to have systems and processes mm-hmm. to get to, to uh, recruit, select, uh, and select this, this talent. So let's, let's assume that's already in place. Uh, and I think it starts on day one. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the culture of your organization the fabric of your organization, the common uh, beliefs, language, and behaviors of your organization, which is essentially the culture of it, the life's blood of it, has to be stressed immediately, day one, um, at, at the point of um, acceptance into the organization, uh, so that people under- clearly understand what they're signing up for. Mm. Uh, so what we, what I would always do is, so our culture statement was the relentless pursuit of excellence in everything that we do. It uh, doesn't mean we're perfect because, uh, and I think you've, you've heard me talk, speak of this before, uh, perfection is oftentimes an obstacle to, to excellence. Perfection's not really attainable in this, in this life. Uh, so. You take those people and you, from the, from the point, the very point of potential acceptance right before the handshake, you let them know what you're about. This is what we are. We pursue excellence every day uh, in our physicality. We pursue it in our, our competence. We pursue it in how we respect and, um, and include each other in everything. Uh, we, we, we want your finances to be good. We want you to be good 
uh, community uh, standard bearers. We want you to represent the like every day is an opportunity to get just a little bit more excellent, pursue a little bit more excellence. And it is it's not spontaneous combustion. It's water on a rock. It happens every day. It's a mindset. Uh, and and we said, hey, we expect you to pursue excellence and um, you have to have adaptability. You have to be trainable. You have to have desire and 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 what I would call give a shit ability. <laughs> and you have to be trusted. And are you a person of values who wants to be part of this elite organization? Because we're not going to let you in if you're not. If you don't commit to that, you can't be with us. Mm -hmm. uh, elite organizations will systematically remove those who are not in compliance with what that organization is about. So, you know, I, I, I in the military, obviously be focused on it a lot and we debated it a lot. You know, everyone has a different idea of what culture is. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is the culture should is is the fabric of the organization, common uh, beliefs, languages and behaviors that are practiced by everyone. And that culture, the you know, the person responsible for that culture in our organization, when I achieved the uh, the leadership level, it was me. Mm. And uh, that was the that was the bucket of gold that I carried. And I was entrusted to safeguard and, and make sure that everyone understood what it was and behaved accordingly. So. Um, the, the, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, in the personal growth and professional development of human beings as they are a part of that organization. But, you know, right before the handshake where you say, yes, we're, we're going to welcome you in, uh, you literally have to make sure that they know what they are signing up for and what the expectation is and the, you know, not, not to, not to, uh, perform and behave in, in those expectations will, will systematically remove you from the organization. So I, I, I did that and it's a great tool to be able to come back later to someone when you need a counsel or a mentor and say, I, I think we talked about this. You know, I think that we were clear on this at one point. So let's make sure we are Let's get our little front end alignment going and make sure that we are clear and that we understand what the expectations are that you not only owe to the organization and the people in it today, but you owe to the people who, who maybe started the, the organization or the business, the people who, you know, gave their lives and sweat, blood and tears to make it what it is like you own that now. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we ask, you know, we always ask people even afterwards, you know, uh, you'll, you will always be part of this. And so you should always represent it accordingly. And, um, <clears throat> I think oftentimes people get focused on what they want and what they want to represent and forget that you're also a part of a larger, greater organization. There's a unifying bond between us all that you have in fact, uh, committed to be part of. And, and that that uh, that deserves a, a to me a tremendous more focus at the organization on the organization and what you've decided to be a part of than than maybe what my my personal is although although personal is important mm -hmm. it, it, for the most part does not supersede the organization. So this starts with clearly identifying your mission, your values, maybe your guiding principles, like how you're going to behave, and like in the hiring process, you're assessing on that. And then when they come in, it's like, Hey, like this is it. Like these are the, this is how we live. This is how we do things. 
and making sure that they're very clear on that. And then do, along the way, you're evaluating people on that. Like when they get feedback, is it going always going back to that? Those core core beliefs. Yes, one hundred percent. Those are the things that are the foundation. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't keep building on the house unless you go back once in a while and inspect and check and balance and make sure your foundation's solid and your your corners are square. So, and it is an accountability tool. You know, it's as a leader, as a leader, I want to be predictable. I, I think probably some of the mistakes I made early on as a leader is I thought it was more about me than it was others. Uh, I'm, I'm a, sometimes an emotional person and, and don't really um, take into consideration the impact of the emotions of a leader and what that, what that does or says. Uh, to the people that you're leading. And so I think it's important to be predictable as a leader. And it's important for people to understand this is what their expectation is. So being the same person every day in the building or out in the field, wherever you're at. Yeah. The people that you're leading should be able to say, I know who that is. Mm. I know what they stand for. I know what their values are. I can predict their behavior for the most part. Uh, and because they, they told it to me day one, uh, they, on day one, they said, this is who we are. And, and, you know, we as members of an organization of an elite organization, we have a responsibility to each other to hold each other accountable. And I, I had people that I was in charge of would come to me and say, Hey, Rob, that was, uh, I was a little out of character for you. Um, not done very well. Uh, if you mind, I'd like to, you know, give you a little, uh, like help you out a little bit. I'm not a big fan of the word feedback. I think it's just how we help each other, you know? Yeah. Um, and just, Hey, can I help you out and give you a little critique on that? And that, and I'm, and you know, you have to have the vulnerability and the humility to be able to say, yeah, absolutely. I also am pursuing excellence every day and, uh, help me do it, you know, as a teammate, help me do it. So, you said you you kind of an emotional guy. So when somebody would early days, let's just say early days, somebody would be like, "Hey Rob, that that right there was was not up to standard." Did you sometimes react emotionally? How did you or did you have to learn how to be like, you know, I'm going to bite my tongue and listen? My first internal response is not one a positive one. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can maintain it internally, then that's victory. And mm-hmm. I can, within the first three seconds, if I can do that, uh, then I can build on, I can build on that emotional maturity. Uh, but of course, as a, you know, as a human, uh, I, I did not do that well, you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a younger person and potentially occasionally don't do that well as an older person. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I always wanted to be the strong silent type. And at a certain point in my life, I realized, okay, I might be strong, but I'm not silent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to be who you are. Uh, because there's nothing worse than trying to be an imposter and you can be right. used with, every, you know, there's a kaleidoscope of different personalities and behaviors or types of people and that all of them are, are beneficial at some point, you know, but um, something that I've been really thinking about a lot lately is this question, does talent need trauma? Meaning, you know, when I was in sports, I found that the guys that were like, like relentless in their training and they're perfecting their craft had something, some type of, and I don't mean like 
horrible trauma like abuse or whatever, but maybe it was some life circumstance that they had to fight through at a young age. And one guy I remember was a, he's a player still in the national football league. I coached him at Florida state and he was from a really rough part of Miami. And he would, I found out his first year, he was super immature, like ridiculously immature, but ridiculously talented. And come to find out, I went to the guy that recruited him. He's like, listen, Eric, this is who he is. He would get on a bus every morning at like 530 in the morning, take a bus an hour to this private school that he got into. It was like very prestigious train all day, take a bus an hour back Take you know, do all that. Like he, he knew he had to work his way out and he eventually, because of that trauma, what he had to grind through. So I'm, I'm wondering in your experience, do you think talent needs maybe adversity is a better word let's go with nothing's binary Hmm. when 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 you're uh maybe when you're younger things are binary and as you see more and experience more and strive more uh and maybe have more trauma in your own life you realize nothing's binary and every situation is different and what can you bring to that situation or that person or that talent that's going to help them progress and grow and get better personally and professionally, you know, as a, you know, as a a community member, a family member, a fellow American, uh, and obviously a talented athlete. So life, life's got a whole bunch of trauma for you. It's a big bucket of it and it's just waiting for you. And then, and you're going to get it dumped out on you from time to time. Uh, and that's just the way it is. Uh, talent probably needs to understand trauma and build systems and strategies and mindset uh, of resilience so that they can understand previous trauma. And that might take some uh, professional counseling and make themselves resilient for what is sure to be future trauma. Hmm. But as a leader, I, uh, you know, you would induce stress in a training environment but the trauma and the adversity that you're talking about is something that probably people don't do a real good job of preparing others for. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of your, some of your high profile, really ridiculously talented physical athletes may not, uh, may not do a good job of being open-minded for someone to help them uh, prepare for trauma or build strategies of resilience so that when, you know, father time or injury or, or trauma catches up with them that they're, they're, uh, they're ready to handle it. So, so I, I look at each individual, I try to have like a, a big leadership. Uh, some people say like your leadership tool bag. I like to say it's like a leadership van with a bunch of tools in it, you know, like, <laughs> like a, like a maintenance guy drives around when he's not sure what he's dealing with, you know, uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this house and they have a bunch of problems to fix. And I'm not sure what all their problems are, but I'm going to take a whole bunch of tools. I'm going to be good with all my tools and I'll be able to, I'll have the experience and expertise to go grab some tools and go in there and, and, and do my best to fix things. I like to look at, you know, leadership capability and capacity in that way. This individual may need one thing that the other individual may not need. Maybe they came from different backgrounds. You have to know your people. And, you know, you have to spend some time like that, that coach did for you and said, hey, this is uh, this is what you're dealing with. And that that's that's immensely important to to understand that and spend some time and thought with that, because you always have to remember, like, as, as a parent, you know, um, 
we, my wife and I, we created hu- uh, two humans mm. uh, and we we did our earthly best to raise them as good, upstanding young ladies uh, in the in, in the professional world and to be good community members and parents. And uh, in, and when you're a leader or an influencer or a coach, you're, you're doing a segment of that, you know, with with a human being and. You know, so many people say people are number one priority, human being, you know, are our people are most important, but you know, are they? And you know, can you look in the mirror at every opportunity and say, Yes, I am pursuing excellence in my ability to lead, counsel, coach, mentor, and develop the people in my charge, uh, wherever they come from, whatever they look like, and and align that with what they want, what their desires are, and what they're trying to accomplish in their own personal and professional life. How did you build your leadership van of tools? Like what are the I, things, what did things you do? I mean, I know you, you, I've heard you talk about, you got to practice it every day, but right. like if somebody's listening to this and like, man, I want to be a better dad or I want to, I want to lead my team at work better. Um, where would you say, Hey, here's a good place to start. Do you have any like favorite places for people to start? Probably one of the most impactful very short paragraphs that I digested that has helped me uh, do exactly that was I read uh, Truett Cathy's book, the guy that started uh, Chick-fil-A. And in there, I don't remember where it was in the book. It's not a very big book. It's a pretty easy read. He talked about opportunity and he talked about opportunity being always around you all the time. It's passing by you. Uh, you're seeing it or are you not seeing it? You know, the, 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 the job of a lifetime, you know, the, uh, your, the love of your life, your future wife, um, all of these things could be passing by you every day. You have to have your, your eyes and ears open. You know, where, where is that an opportunity? Is that something I need to stay away from? Uh, is that an opportunity for not such good things to happen? Or is that an opportunity for great things to happen? And, uh, and and have an open mind, you know, I tell my daughters, you know, I understand the use of technology and a smartphone is extremely valuable, but to be consumed by it causes your eyes to be closed to the world around you. And I have sort of always done it, but this sort of codified it for me where I said, that is exactly how I learn. I watch people all around me all the time. If I'm watching the president of the United States on television, or if I'm watching a, you know, a, a staff sergeant squad leader in the Ranger Regiment brief, uh, brief or maneuver his squad, or if I'm at a board meeting and I'm watching people talk about forecasts and projections, how they're leading themselves and their teams and, and influencing in their sphere of influence, there, there's lessons to be learned all, all, all around that. And, um, you know, I had a great, great platoon sergeant when I was first entered the military back in uh, the early 90s. And he said, hey, everyone just watch me. Watch how I lead this platoon. Watch how I interact with higher, um, higher level officers and uh, senior enlisted non-commissioned officers. You'll learn some stuff that you want to take on. You'll learn some stuff you don't want to take on. And then when you get in charge, you can do it however you want to do it. We're so grateful to the Blueprints title sponsor, 
the Festive Kitchen. The zany creators of the Festive Kitchen set out to create the perfect sweet, salty, crunchy snack with just a little heat. After attempting numerous flavor combinations, they started sharing samples with family and friends who would ask, what is the name of this snack? Since there was no name, they answered, I don't know, but it's freaking awesome. Hilariously, the name stuck and a new product was born. It's a snack and it's freaking addicting called It's Freaking Awesome. You can order online now at shop.festivekitchen.com and itsfreakingawesome.com. Trust me, this snack tastes as cool as it sounds. Brace yourself, you'll be ordering frequently for your monthly freaking fix. The good news is they now have a freaking monthly subscription. Again, it's available online at shop.festivekitchen.com and itsfreakingawesome.com. That's I-T-S-F-R-E-A-K-I-N awesome.com. He, he was basically saying what True or Kathy was saying. There are examples, good and bad, all around you. And you have to, you have to watch them and learn from them, uh, converse with them, ask questions, be Socratic. <clears throat> and then there's always, you know, podcasts like this and, um, you know, books. And, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of audible books where I can overlay all of those different learnings together. Uh, and, and it's just a series of gold nuggets that you capture throughout your day and you stick them in your pocket when you catch them in books and you catch them on TV and you catch them in watching others. Um, <clears throat> and then some of those gold nuggets you can give away to gold nuggets for other people as, you know, as they're hopefully doing the same thing. But for me, it is a continual process and a continual focus of if I'm going to lead, then I should be studying leadership at some level, mm-hmm. formally and informally, every single day. I love that. Yeah, it's like if you want to if you want to be fit, you have to train, and it, it doesn't have right. to be like ridiculous training sessions every day. But you just microdose it, right? Um, just right. small little doses over time, and before you know it, like you're a healthy individual. Um, this makes a lot of sense. It's not like you know. You can't just go out and find the silver bullet of this thing. You got to put the work in. Um, as a leader, what do you is what's the difference between confidence and arrogance? I think that oftentimes is <clears throat> that's a good question because I've often battled. You know, as with anyone, I have an ego. Uh, and have battled uh, arrogance like uh, like a lot of people, which is a common thing, but also striving to be really, really confident. So to me, when I see arrogance, I see, okay, maybe, maybe that well is not as deep as it should be. Maybe that's a defense mechanism. Maybe that is, um, you know, insecurity. Uh, it's, it's how that arrogance is displayed and comes out in people. When you see someone, when you talk about confidence, they put in the work. Mm-hmm. They're they're very secure in who they are, what they can do, what they cannot do, uh, and they're they're humble and they are <clears throat> uh, and 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 express some uh, and display vulnerability at at, at certain times. Uh, it, you know, I, I heard a guy, um, uh, you know, I was at West Point once and listened to a, a leadership discussion with a, a corporate, very successful corporate businessman. And he said, you know, in our organization, he had a very successful financial organization on Wall Street. And he said, we want people to have an ego. 
like you are, you have an ego for a reason. An ego is a driver, you know, uh, you want to, you want to excel, you want to do well, you want to exceed expectations because like that, that's, that's part of your ego. I gave you these characteristics. He, he's just kind of counting on you to keep him in the right uh, proportion. <laughs> yeah. And he said, any, any elite organization will have a lot of people with ego, but people with ego are fantastic um, ego sentinels. And when someone else's ego begins to turn into something larger than it should be, or a negative or destructive in that particular organization, everyone else recognizes it really quickly because they have a daily battle going on with their own ego. Mm. And they will be the ones who squash it and say, uh-uh, that's, I, I hear you, I respect you, but that's a little more than we're going for mm. in the, our particular organization. And if you, if you look back at, <clears throat> you know, there's, there have been some of the most talented National Football League teams you've ever seen, uh, you know, didn't even win their conference championship. And a lot of it has to do with, the understanding of the dynamics of an organization with high performing people who have an ego, <clears throat> but everyone was every, everyone didn't band together and understand how to keep all those egos in check. So I thought the, uh, the ego sentinel, <clears throat> excuse me, is a, uh, is a fantastic philosophy. And I, I, I certainly took that on and have, have kind of watched that, you know, in a couple different organizations. I like that. Um, there's definitely, you need confidence to go stand in front of a group of people. You know, I, I've made a transition in my career, you know, from sports to now I'm, I'm running a company. And when I go pitch somebody as an investor, like they want somebody that's confident, but they also don't want somebody that's so arrogant that they can't listen and take feedback. Um, and, you know, I've actually, I'll tell, I'll to be honest, like a couple of years ago, I'd say four years ago, I found myself slipping into arrogance and I'd have these thoughts in my head. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you think something you're like, dude, that's, that stinks right there. And that's not good. And you didn't maybe act on it, but it, it the, just, these things are coming up and it's something in my life that I've been trying to squash. I want to be confident. But I think in my opinion, like when you become arrogant, you cut yourself off from so much learning uh, because you said nothing's ever binary, right? Everything's changing. You got to, you got to stay locked in, in, in the same vein of confidence and arrogance, you know, you've worked in some really high tempo environments where it's really important to, to stay on your game, right? So that you can be the best for other people. But how do you balance the needs for yourself? but also in balancing the needs of your team. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. Back to, back to the confidence, uh, arrogance. Uh, oftentimes, I, I think preparedness uh, develops a strong amount of confidence. Can you define that? Oftentimes, uh, you know, have you put in the work, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what we were talking about before. If, you know, when, when you talk about briefing board members, I've, I've briefed board members when I've been really prepared and I've briefed board members when I wasn't. And, um, you know, you, you cannot, you know, you got to prepare and, and, you know, any NFL team, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that from, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, but, and, and that gives you the confidence to go out and do what you know you can do because you're, because you're prepared, you know, you have controlled all the variables that you could possibly control 
in order to be successful at the, the capability and capacity and maybe slightly above that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, arrogance, I think, is probably camouflaging real good preparing preparedness and uh, and and that's where it kind of becomes a little bit, you know, a, a lot of bit of a negative. I, I want to ask you this because this just kind of hit me like as you're talking, you know, we would always prepare. You always have a game plan, right? You, 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 during the week, you prep. Any organization has a game plan. This is how we're going to go out and accomplish X, Y, or Z. How do you develop agile thinking? So when all of a sudden, like in football, we'd kick the ball off and on that first series, we'd script our plays, right? The offensive coordinator would script because this is what we think is going to work. And then we watch the defense adjust. And then all of a sudden, sometimes that script works and you get that touchdown. And sometimes like three plays in, you're like, that ain't working because they just showed up in this. How did you develop agility, agile thinking on your team? Because like you have a plan, you got to execute the plan. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, that is these these external situations or circumstances have now changed how we're going to have to operate. How did you develop that capability? Uh, realizing, accepting and understanding that first and foremost, um, planning is indispensable, but, but plans are useless. And so don't fall in love with the plan, but you have to plan and you have to have a, you have to have some place to adjust from. So a lot of people would say, hey, we're doing all this planning for this operation and it's not going to come out like that. Yeah, I, I know that. You know, there's a saying in the military, once the first shot's fired, all all of the great plans go straight in the, in the trash can. And um, yes, but no, there there are, you you plan and in your planning, you plan out exactly what you want to happen, but then you also have to contingency plan, Okay based off of what we know, based off of our experience and expertise, what do we think could happen here, there, at this particular junction of the game or the operation? And and how would we react to that? And what would we do with that? And you can cover a few things. Excuse me, but you won't cover them all. Mm-hmm. And you very probably won't cover the one that's going to happen. Right. But the planning aspect of that is critical. And, and what you, you know, they, everyone says you, <clears throat> you train for what you know is going to happen. You educate for what you don't know is going to happen. So in that planning process, you are educating each other, not only for this particular game day or operation, but other subsequent game days and operations. So you're getting smarter. Hmm. Uh, you're getting more experience. You're doing more planning. You know, I went to Ranger School back in uh, so long ago, I don't even want to say. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, you know, the, the, the thing is, you know, 60, what was it, 68 or 72 days? And it was, you know, one meal a day and one hour of sleep a day. And sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it wasn't. Um, but it was a repetitive small unit tactics and small unit operations. And, and I, before I went, a lot of, a lot of uh, people told me who had gone and said, you know, I didn't learn that much. I just learned how to, you know, be gritty and, and suck it up and, and throw the ruck on my back in the middle of the night and move eight clicks in the woods in the dark 
um, you know, with a whole bunch of uh, other rangers uh, and ranger school candidates. And you know, w- when I experienced it, you know, I came back and said, you know, I learned a ton hmm. because I did planning every day. And every day at some level, you are planning a, another mission, another small unit operation, and things are going wrong and things are going right and people are doing the right things and the wrong things. And so you're learning about people, you're learning about leadership and you're learning about, um, you know, small unit tactics and planning and it's happening on a, on a daily cycle. So the rep, the reps you get, you know, in 69, 72 days, whatever it was is extremely valuable. And, you know, I would fast forward that up to my, you know, my senior leadership times, uh, you know, as an operational team leader and, and, uh, and troop leader, small unit leader in combat, uh, you know, p- planning was, was easy for me. Uh, and to be able to plan either for a couple of days, two or three days a week on a very large scale mission, or to be able to run out the door with a, uh, you know, scripting the, uh, the operation on a three by five card while you're running towards a helicopter. Uh, and you, you know, it was, it was okay with me either way. And I was mm-hmm. comfortable there either way because I had spent a lot of time educating and, and doing planning. Uh, and not falling, but not falling in love with the plan, but falling in love with, you know, the, the, the fundamentals and the vision and the intent of what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, and the plan is a vehicle to get you there. And the planning is a vehicle to get you there. But um, you can't fall in love with the plan. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. A new survey by the American Psychological Association has found that nearly half of parents say they are more stressed now than before the pandemic, and over 60% of adults in America have experienced undesired weight change, all because of stress. Is there something interfering with your happiness and impacting your mental health? Well, now is the time to take action. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally accessible. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Before I make big purchases, I always go online or read the reviews. BetterHelp posts new testimonials and reviews daily on their website. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash blueprint. That's BetterHelp and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they've been recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. BetterHelp is giving a special offer for the Blueprint podcast listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash blueprint. We did a, um, did a training mission one time when I was a, a team leader and um, we got right up to this building. You know, it was a, uh, you know, it was a training mission somewhere in North Carolina. 
And um, we got right up to this building and the, 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 uh, the leadership said, okay, you know, the operational controllers of the, you know, the training event said, okay, everyone stop. So we stop and we're going ad, ad, admin, which means we're going, you know, to stop and turn some lights on. And, and they came up to us and they took all of our, like the, our rifles and our pistols and our night vision goggles and all these things that we had, the tools of our trade, they took them away. Huh. And they said, okay, uh, over there is a big box and that's what you're going to use to do this mission. And there were, there were like some foreign weapons in there and a couple rusty AK 47, <laughs> like, uh, maybe one, I think there was one or two, uh, night vision goggles, you know, generation one from 19, you know, 89 or whatever. <clears throat> and they said, okay, everybody get back in position. You got you got five minutes to look at this gear and figure out where to carry it and how to use it and how to change your tactics using this. And um, and at five minutes, okay, we're we're back tactical again. Go and we did the operation and it was incredibly valuable Hmm. uh, to take everything you were used to and your plan completely changed because you didn't have the equipment and you couldn't do the things that you normally could do. So you know, as a leadership tool, you know. um, you know, whether it's, you know, on <clears throat> the Wednesday of preparing for a game on Saturday or Sunday or, you know, in military training, you know, it, it's always super valuable to to keep people to develop those skills of agility and, and and how to not fall in love with the plan and how to react to contingencies. Uh, and you got to have a lot of repetition to do that. And it takes a lot of experience. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's always something that, that, that I like to see when people put in their in their training plans. That is really cool. You, how long have you been with TRX now? So TRX Elite uh, was formed in October of last year. Okay. So TRX Elite is a strategic investment by TRX back into their government military first responder space um, <clears throat> with, with some other partners, uh, JAG Consulting and others, uh, Joe Gomes, which I think you might know. Joe. Yeah, I know Joe. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he is a partner in, you know, in this endeavor, and it is. Uh, it's an exciting opportunity for me, uh, as one of my side hustles in uh, in my military career was, if we're going to train really well with with guns and parachutes and patrolling and uh, and all of our equipment, uh, then we should train really well with our the human chassis that carries all of that. Mm-hmm. And so one of my side hustles and initiatives was always a human performance focus you know, when I was in special operations. And, and so now I have, <clears throat> I was recruited and, uh, and excited to, and honored to be uh, considered to, to lead this initiative where uh, TRX Elite can take all the capability that TRX has uh, and, and others and infuse as much capability uh, in terms of equipment and a professional digitally delivered programming to not only the most elite athletes and the most elite tactical athletes and warriors, but all the way down to the recruit who is trying to figure out how to get in shape to be successful in basic training. Mm. Uh, and all the way through that journey to the veteran who uh, who might be a little like me with some some uh, some scars and uh, some titanium holding them together and and some gray in their hair, uh, just trying to you know stay in good shape uh, and move and feel good <clears throat> and eliminate joint pain uh, so you can sleep well 
uh, and, you know, all these different things. So we're trying to develop, you know, the, the beauty of the, the brilliant, uh, and I wish I would have thought of it, but Randy Hetrick did, and I didn't, of the single anchor point suspension trainer and the instability that that causes and the total body integration, vice isolation, is just a fantastic centerpiece tool that we're building other suites of tools around uh, so that we can uh, deliver strategies to people no matter where they are in the world, no matter, uh, you know, if they're stuck home at COVID again, hopefully not uh, for, uh, you know, a few months or, you know, whatever part of their journey they're in from the recruit, you know, to the veteran. I got my first uh, Mike Gittleson, which you might yeah. know Mike Gittleson. He, uh, Gittleson. He, uh, <laughs> from, the, from uh, you know, Go Blue, University yeah. of Michigan. He sent me my first TRX back in uh, 2007. I never had any thoughts of working for the for TRX or TRX Elite. And uh, he said, hey, I don't know what this thing is. Some Navy SEAL <laughs> came up with it, but I know you're getting ready to deploy. Uh, not trained anybody with it, but I think it might be pretty damn good. So uh, take it on a deployment, give it a shot, and come back and me what you think. And so I just, you know, it was one of their early programmings, a guy named uh, Chris Frankel. Uh, <clears throat> And, and Fraser Quelch, I think. Yeah, I know Chris. Uh, you know, with probably with Randy. Yeah, they 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 put all that together way back when, and I I just robotically did everyday workout just like they had planned it, and I came back feeling good, and I was in great shape. And that that uh, that suspension trainer that I got in 2007 from Mike Gittleson, I still have. Um, wow. I don't train with it anymore because it's so old, but I still keep it <laughs> as a you know as something to re- to remind me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, it's an outstanding piece of kit. And I think the, uh, the ability to democratize elite training and be able to reach everyone mm-hmm. who has goals and desires uh, to do tough things, hard things uh, in the police force and, and be in the fire department and join our military. Um, they deserve uh, and the ability to, to have access to a, a you know affordable tool mm. uh, that is scalable and expeditionary, very portable, uh, with easily easily delivered programming over their over a smartphone or laptop, so that they can they can um, be successful and keep their injuries down and be successful in what they're trying to do. So, not only just the you know the special operations warriors that um, you know have all of that capability at their fingertips, like I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is the way to go if you can, but all the way to the, that, that, uh, 17 year old kid in Iowa who, uh, has to work on a farm all day and wants to join the military and doesn't know how to get in shape to do it. I love and it. We want to, we want to help them do it. So when did you join TRX elite? When did that start? You said October of October. 20 of 2020. 2020 yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so you joined in October of 2020 has this and, and you you are currently mobile, right? Pretty cool situation. Yeah. So you you yeah. said you and your wife like sold your house and you've got this awesome like mobile tra- like home like trailer that you're pulling now that you can be anywhere. So right. So you're in Colorado right now, right? Right. Right. Yeah. We liquidated everything last winter and bought a 38 foot um, class A luxury motorhome. Uh, it's really nice we are we, we are not roughing it uh, <laughs> but we we do have the ability to work from anywhere and uh, we can go visit people along the way and and see clients along the way and uh, so 
I, I was pretty expeditionary, you know, for for decades as a special operations soldier. Mm-hmm. And uh, this for me, this is uh, this is just kind of the same thing for my wife. Uh, I have to give her some credit on <laughs> on her adaptability and. <laughs> And to put up with some of my crazy ideas. I so. think she's been adapting for quite a while. Don't you think? Like, I have a feeling it's, it's going to cost me a really nice house here in about three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, the reason I bring all this up is because, you know, you're the president of this part of the organization and you, you are mobile yourself. This thing was spun up during the pandemic. How have you led a, dip- a dispersed team? Like, how did you get to know people? I don't know all the details. I haven't asked you about this, but like over Zoom calls and create culture or connectivity over, because that's something I struggle with. And I'm sure there's a lot of people now as we move to dispersed work environments. How did you do that? Or how are you doing it? I think, I think uh, to your question, I think people put too much um, <clears throat> focus on that it's difficult to do virtually. Okay. I think that that's what you have. And if that's what you have, then that's what you use. Okay. And I learned this lesson from general retired Stanley McChrystal back in the, before, before anyone knew who he was, he was a Lieutenant Colonel in the battalion commander, second range of the battalion. And there was a joint readiness training center down in uh, uh, Arkansas and uh, or Louisiana. I can't remember. (laughs) And obviously you're fighting against, you know, uh, an opposition force. It's training. You're not shooting real bullets at each other. You're shooting what was called then Miles Gear. And it's a laser and you wear a halo and something on your helmet. And blanks at each other but these lasers are going out and if they hit your sensors you start beep you just get long beep and you're dead or okay. wounded or whatever whatever your casualty card in your pocket that you were issued you open the envelope and you say okay i'm you know i've been shot in the leg <clears throat> a medic has to come over and say okay he's been shot in the leg and then they they treat you know they treat you based off what that fake injury is and operational controllers are grading all of this <clears throat> and so we were spending so much time shooting lasers at each other and trying to get really good at shooting lasers and we weren't shooting real bullets and you know uh, as a young squad leader I was very much against that I was like we're, we're not training for combat we're training for training and. Uh, <clears throat> General McChrystal got a bunch of us uh, squad leaders together and said, hey, look, guys, this is only going to be effective if you get behind and support me. And I need you to do that. This is the only war we have right now. And we 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 develop a couple of bad habits here and there in in using simulation. But we're going to develop a tremendous amount of capability that is transferable. And this is the war we have. So I, I, I fast forward that into this is what we have. Uh, this is what we've chosen at some time, at some point, And this is what we've been forced to use at other points. And I have someone's face uh, on a laptop that to me is them and their face. Uh, I want to see it. I don't like when people don't use the camera. Mm-hmm. I, I make guys use the camera. Um, <clears throat> we have we have interaction uh the the expectations are the same uh 
you know, there's a saying in the military and the army where they said, you know, the the, uh, conditions may change, but the standards remain the same. And excuse me. And that's what it is. Now, do you need to connect as humans? Probably three or four times a year, hundred percent. You need to, you can be very effective, uh, digitally and remotely, but human beings, uh, need to be with those human beings to build that team. You get, you will never build um, the team you want to build strictly over a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can build some relationships and you can, you can build understanding and you can function pretty well, depending on what you're trying to do. But at, at a certain junction, uh, you know, every, every, you know, probably quarter to, for me, it's kind of quarterly, uh, that you're going to have to spend some money and fly people or whatever but get people together in the same room so they can talk and laugh, break bread together, maybe have a beer or two uh, and, and really, really build. And that'll catapult you and, you know, and progress you uh, in, in immeasurable ways that the, the digital will, will simply just sustain. You can grow a little bit, but it'll sustain it. But I, I, you know, in the military, you know, we were, responsible for a task force throughout multiple continents. So there were people that I was in charge of that I, um, you know, I hadn't talked to and hadn't hadn't physically seen in six or eight months, maybe even a year. Hmm. So this has been, uh, this is nothing new for me and the community that I came from. But um, yeah, I think a lot of times people, they want to, they want to try to make it, it's probably more similar than it is dissimilar. And and a a lot of folks want to make it, well, it's really hard to, eh, everything's hard a little bit, you know, it's hard in person too. <laughs> no question. Cause you get even more of that human factor that comes into the mm-hmm. equation. We're going to take a break for just a moment to talk about how you can get exclusive content designed for high performers, just like you. If you're looking for information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance, then sign up for my free high-performance newsletter adaptation. Just go to www.ericcorum.com and sign up now. This newsletter is my effort to bring zero-cost, high-performance resources and tools to anyone with the desire to improve. Now, back to the show. That's really good advice. That that was almost just for me. So I hope other people uh, could 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 get something out of that because it's something I think about a lot as I'm developing a team. And I have some of these people I've never met face to face, and um, and I'm a I, I thrive in a team environment. And so it's something that I've personally been processing, and I just wanted to seek your wisdom on that during this call. I may have to follow up with you later on this. Um, so I yeah, did. I'll interject there if you don't ahead. mind. Yeah. Uh, just in, in, in analog, um, a guy named Brent Leffel, um is uh, part of Equity Thirty Eight. He's the, the, the CEO of Greater TRX, and um, I, I, I knew him for probably almost a year, and um, but only virtually. Never met him in person. And so I, you know, I flew out to California to Newport Beach, and uh, and I met him for the first time. And we embraced like old friends, huh. although we'd never met in person. And he was like, you look exactly the way you look on my laptop. <laughs> and I said, you look exactly the way you look on my laptop. And it was amazing how much just over some phone calls and, you know, and some Zoom calls and what have you, that we had built a relationship that uh, just by that one embrace, it, you know, solidified it and and moved it into, in, into greater areas. But, you know, I, you can, um, you can focus on, you know, what's different or hard about it. 
or you can be, you know, follow the example of uh, of Stanley McChrystal and say, hey, this is this is the war we have. You know, this is the method we have uh, and we're going to maxi- maximize it back to the pursuit of excellence. Like you can be excellent everywhere. You can pursue excellence everywhere. So get really good at, you know, these uh, video calls, get really good at, you know, talking to people and leading people in this new environment, because that's what you have. Mm. And you want to you don't want to miss opportunities because you're focusing too much on the difficulty or the constraints of, you know, this type of leadership. I love it, man. Every time I'm around you or hear you speak, I get better. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciate your wisdom. Um, I did send you a couple questions that we always ask on this show. And the first one is, is what does high performance mean to you? I'm going to cheat a little bit because I wrote down some answers. <laughs> hey, you prepared. I think we've talked about prepared, that already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I prepared. So I, I wrote this this morning over a cup of coffee. How do I define high performance? To me, the result of very specific and focused intentional efforts to perform or be at my best as a result of controlling all of the variables and conditions that are within my control. The cumulative effect of daily system strategies, discipline, and committed effort. Dude, that's a cretus. Uh, I'm going to have to get that my, I'm going to have to get that written down. Uh, cause that was, that was legit right there. Um, was it? yeah, <laughs> that was legit. And I wouldn't expect anything less from you besides that. That was amazing. Um, and, and it really encompasses who you are and what you've been through. So what habits or practices have you adopted so that you can consistently perform at your best? Okay. I'm going to go right back to my my sheet of paper that I did this morning. I prioritize the physical because for me, that is the vehicle that carries everything else. Um, I have a significant amount of moderate TBI from uh, concussions uh, and overpressure blasts from explosions and, um, and bombs and so forth. And so uh I focus on the physical because I struggle cognitively if I don't sleep well. Um, I struggle cognitively if I if my nutrition and my supplementation uh, is not is not done well. And so I I find that I focus there uh, so that everything else is um, manageable. At best, at, you know, at a minimum, manageable, and at best, you know, I can pursue, you know, a better version of me every day. So, um, you know, I've got. Uh, I don't like to say like when people say you, you know, when, when people get out and they get a disability rating from the from the Veterans Administration, they say, well, okay, well, you're a disabled veteran or whatever, at whatever percentage that might be. And I don't like that term. I think it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in tough jobs, you know. Uh, like soldiering, uh, like the National Football League or what have you, 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 uh, you know, sustain occupational damage. Mm-hmm. So I am damaged. I am not disabled. I am damaged. Uh, I've got some titanium holding me together. I've had a few things rebuilt. My gray matter uh, requires a little more effort uh, and a little more care so that it functions well throughout the day. Uh, and I want to make sure that, 
you know, I do everything I can so that there's not any early onset of Alzheimer's or th- mm. those things that come, you know, when you have some moderate, uh, moderate to severe um, TBI. So, and I used to do everything on a dashboard. You know, I've had Fitbits and Oura Rings, and <clears throat> I understand you might know something about some of these wearables. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've and I've kind of my life on a dashboard, and what that did was it taught me about what are the things I should do. And it helped me refine my systems and strategies so that I could then do them without the wearables and feel what, you know, what I want to feel and how I want to be, you know, when I, when I do those systems and strategies. So I'm about due uh, to, to dashboard myself again and do another check of balance, double check and see kind of where I am, but I did get tired of living my life on a dashboard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all those different things when I'm not, you know, I'm not training for the Olympics, you know, I'm not, uh, <laughs> and, and it, it's, it has been an education for me to learn more about my own, uh, body, mm-hmm. uh, and so that I can manage that well, but <clears throat> yeah, I just, uh, you know, uh, those systems and strategies for me start with the physical and that facilitates, you know, the cognitive and the emotional and the spiritual. And, you know, I find myself uh, getting very short tempered, you know, when uh, when I'm not caring for, you know, my my sleep, the value of sleep. You know, Mark Verstegen used to say sleep's the magic pill. And um, uh, I had a, a, a mental health professional uh, at my old unit who used to say, if I, I, I can I can track divorces and alcoholism and and people getting in trouble. I can track it all the way back to when they stopped being able to sleep mm. and, you know, for whatever external uh, factors caused that, you know, and so sleep is unbelievably valuable, cannot be overestimated. And I, I focus strongly on the ability to sleep and regenerate and recover over a seven or eight hour period so that I can do everything else, you know, at the level I want to do it. That's awesome. Is there anything you're doing right now to invest in your personal growth? Are there books you're reading or things you're learning about? So I think um, I think the way the way I best explain that is uh, I'm in a season right now. So you have priorities. A lot of people talk about work-life balance. I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in priorities. And you rack and stack your priorities on on a re- relatively a uh, daily basis. They may change. Other things may happen. Life may happen. Uh, conditions may change where it reacts your, your priority. So other things become more important today than maybe they weren't yesterday. So last year, um, I was relatively unemployed for about six, uh, seven months of the year. Well, actually about four or five months of the year. And I knew that I was going to begin a sprint in building a business, uh, building the TRX Elite business for all of all of TRX and the partners. And so I knew that um, I probably would have minimal time to invest in myself in 2021. So I did a lot in 2020. So that's why I'm talking about seasonal. Mm. I prepared for this season. So I was doing master classes. I was reading books. I was spending a lot of time in thought. I was journaling, I was walking in the woods a lot, and I was putting together, okay, how, how am I going to do this? How, you know, what's my strategy? What, what are my personal strategies? Who are those people who have done something like this before? And I want to, uh, 
like how I listened to Howard Schultz masterclass. It was really good. Mm. Um, and so I invested as a priority then because I knew that my investment in myself would be less of a priority this year. And I would be investing in those around me and the business. So, um, I am in the season now, and uh, I think that will that will sustain throughout the year. We'll uh, I'll 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 maybe get a little more uh, regularity in 2022 as we built systems and strategies to to help us uh, you know move through the water smoothly without mm-hmm. splashing so much. So, <clears throat> but I still you know I'm always still grabbing the you know like I talked about earlier. There's still always nuggets all around you. You know you can. You can see them and grab them and talk to people. And then sometimes you just have to, you got to stop the noise and listen to someone. And that, that has been, uh, you know, one of the ways I'm investing in, uh, in myself. But another way is when you invest in others, like we're doing here today, mm-hmm. um, you're investing in yourself. And mm-hmm. so just the questions you asked me, the, the, the three questions you told me you were probably going to ask me, um, you know, it, it, it brought a little bit of uh, my own personal growth and development today. So um, <clears throat> I wrap that all up to say it, it's, this is not the season for me to focus on my own personal growth. This is the season for me to sort of sustain that uh, and invest in others. And then, uh, you know, kind of regroup that in 2022 and, and, and probably start uh, investing in myself and others a little more as we develop the business. This is, I love the wisdom here. Uh, this is really good. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. How can people support TRX Elite and support you? Where can they find you guys? So we are we are uh, part of TRX. Right. So anywhere you see TRX, um, there's there's some fabric of TRX Elite there. And if you go on the TRX website, uh, you'll see the TRX uh, Elite landing page. Uh, and... Um, we're getting ready to come out with some really, really good um, uh, programming and promotion. So I would say uh, the TRX, uh, you know, social medias, I'm on LinkedIn uh, and I enjoy talking about, you know, I have to be careful. I don't want to appear salesy on LinkedIn. Sure. Uh, I just want to share uh, uh, the good things that we're doing and how we're trying to help people. So um, I'm on LinkedIn and then, I think uh, in the in the very near future, in um, probably weeks, we're going to do some really big uh, launch, some really big campaigns to invest in our our you know our law enforcement, fire service, first responders, and and military. And, and uh, but the TRX Elite landing page, and we we have IDME there, so all service members and first responders can get twenty percent off purchases. Oh, great! On the TRX uh, e-commerce site, but. Um, you know, TRX just built, uh, you know, and we're putting specific programming inside of the TRX training club, which is a digital coaching platform. Uh, just finishing up an army combat fitness test. So you can literally take a TRX suspension trainer and, uh, a band, a strength band and go through a 12 week program. And I will, unless you're just morbidly out of shape, I can assure you that you will pass your army combat fitness test by completing that 12 week program. So we're about to launch that so that uh, help the army with some of their, some of the struggles in, in training uh, and, and people being able to train themselves and Mm -hmm. being able to train those that they're in charge of. So we just want to offer some solutions and strategies to support service members and the strength and conditioning coaches that also support that community. That is awesome. 
Rob, you are a great American and a great human being, and I'm just so thankful that you came on today. And I'm just looking forward to continue to foster a relationship with you and support you in all your endeavors and in TRX Elite. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eric. It's been a pleasure. If today's podcast enriched your life in any way, please support The Blueprint by sharing this podcast with someone you think could benefit from today's conversation. Also, please consider checking out the Festive Kitchen's amazing product. It's freaking awesome. It makes for a fantastic gift for a colleague, a friend, or a loved one, or as a freaking fun snack when you want something sweet and savory to tantalize your taste buds. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.